and the burden turned into vision. And oftentimes, that's what happens. The things that bother us are the very things that God is going to use to give us vision if we pray it through. Welcome to the Shepherd Heart Leader podcast, where we explore topics that help strengthen your ability to care for those under your leadership. If you are new to our podcast, we encourage you to subscribe or follow. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the prayer life of a leader. And if you are one that wants God's divine guidance in your decision making, this episode is for you. Today, we're going to talk about the shepherd-hearted prayer life. And what does it look like to aspire to be a leader? And what kind of prayer life do you need to have for that sort of thing? And so I know with you, I've watched you for the last, you know, several decades. (laughs) And prayer is a huge part of everything you do. And so what kind of prayer life should a leader aspire to? Well, that's a big question, Jody. Uh, But I would just say, you know, starters, we're following Jesus. And if he's a leader and we're a follower and we're following his leadership pattern, Jesus prayed a lot. Like, if you really look at the Gospels, especially Luke shows how many times he prayed and you see the prayers of Jesus and John that are kind of longer. Um, First, we want to follow Jesus. And any leader, whether you're a parent, you're a business owner, you're a teacher in a classroom, uh, you're a pastor, you're a leader in a department, whatever it is that you're called to do, um, every one of us should look at Jesus as the model of what a prayer life should look like. And he would have to pull away from people um, because the business of life would be just overwhelming and he had to get away. And we have to do the same kind of thing. And, and then he would pray specific prayers and he would pray um, over his people. So he didn't just pray for himself, he prayed for others, and that's a shepherd. A shepherd thinks about those that they are responsible for, and they don't just leave it in their head, but they take their concerns, their burdens, their worries to the Lord. And uh, and I think for me, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, sometimes I do better <laughs> than others, um, but the truth is that if anybody's going to pray for my family, it should be me. And if anybody's going to pray for our church, it should be me and not leaving that responsibility up to someone else. Now, prayer prayer can feel like a burdensome thing, especially as a leader. You probably have a lot of people coming up to you and asking you, will you pray for this? Will you pray for this? Or Mm -hmm. maybe text messages or messages on social media asking you to pray for certain requests. How do you handle all of the requests that come from so many different angles? Well, first of all, I'm not the pope. (laughs) I'm not like some intermediary that's got some supernatural whatever. People do look to me because they see me as a shepherd and they want me to pray specifically for them. So I don't see myself as Jesus, but I do see their response as good motives. They want to come to me because they they have a need, but I don't need to be the Messiah in this situation. So I don't have to have the perfect prayer and I don't have to, I don't have to respond to everyone's uh, specific needs. You gave a kind of different scenarios. If I'm in a service, I feel like when I'm in church, I need to make myself available after service. And that's when people will come up and maybe God's moved in a message or during worship, or they just came to church and they had a huge need in their heart and their head. And they have to come in for, they want to come up for prayer. And so that moment is really important to them. And so I shut out anybody else, anything else in the room at that moment 
and I want to pray. Now, there are some people that are, um, we, we have a, an acronym called the EGR that some people might use, the extra grace required, where there are some people that want to come and they want to dominate my entire time period. So um, there are times when I've got a line of people that want to pray with me or talk to me after a service and one person in their need, they want to turn it into an, an hour counseling session and we got another service coming. So what I attempt to do is, one, listen to what their need is, acknowledge that need, and then quickly say, can I pray for you? And then I go into the prayer. I give them a, enough attention and time, but I don't make it an hour prayer. I just kind of get to the point, pray to her, and then be done. And, uh, and then I've got, you know, a skill set where if they still want to drag it on and I've got somebody over their shoulder going, hey, hello, I want prayer too. I'll tend to have my teammates, I'll let them know, hey, can you tap on me on the shoulder if it seems like something's going too long? Or if there's a legitimate need and they need more than just a prayer, they need counseling or they need something else, let's set up a time beyond today. Um, and uh, that can be with me or any one of our elders or our prayer teams. or So I can, I can redirect that individual to someone else. So that's one area. If I get a, a text message um, on somebody that has a prayer request, I might just go, you know what, I'm going to take that and I'm going to pray quickly right now, and then I'm going to respond praying. I don't have to turn it into an hour prayer meeting, and I don't need to say praying, but I'm not praying. <laughs> so I want to make sure I pray. And, uh, and I actually do it, but I don't have to have it dominate my entire schedule. And then the biggest thing is, and uh, for those of you that are, um, and I'm talking to you, empathetic, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're, where you carry that heart and that worry beyond the moment, I don't. So like if I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn over to God, I leave it there. I'm not going to figure out how it's going. I'm not going to trying to check in every five seconds on it. I'm just leaving it in God's hands and then go on and move on because i got to leave that moment there and move into the next one. And Jesus had an ability to do that. He would heal the sick, but then he'd move on to another town and maybe he'd set somebody free or he'd have to communicate uh, the gospel, the kingdom of God to somebody else. So the ability to leave that moment in that moment is a big deal on, on my prayer life. So many components of prayer. We've got intercessory prayer where we're praying for other people. We've also got prayer where we're just um, praying as a congregation, praying corporately. Uh, what kind of prayer styles do you like the most and what do you utilize the most? Well, the whole topic of prayer is huge, right? So um, for me, um, there are many forms of prayer. So uh, worship can be prayer. Um, it's me opening up, acknowledging who God is. In the middle of it, I might be requesting something. Um, there is a, a lament prayer where you're in a space where you're not feeling good about something. There's grief or something else going on, and you got to acknowledge that to God. So there's styles of prayer. There's intercession, and then there's praise, and and then there's just waiting and being silent and uh, allowing God to speak and having meditation. So. There's a lot of different styles of prayer. From a leadership perspective, my belief is, is that we need to have our own personal prayer routine or prayer life, if you will. And, uh, and if you think of it like you would your nutrition or you think about it like your um, kind of rituals that you do throughout a day for other things that are just part of what you do. 
there needs to be that space where you're individually talking to God, not for others, but just you as a son or a daughter of God. All right, I'm going to talk to God because I need him. I can't live without the Father, and I need him. And in that space, I actually think changing the rhythms of prayer is a big deal. Um, it helps. Sometimes I can get stuck in a ritual, and I need to change it up. Um, and then I think outside of that, then there's the the team prayer, the family prayer, the staff prayer, the whatever um, groups of people that you're around. If there are other believers and they're in a spiritual context, we should pray together. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there with them. And he's invited us to pray together. So like even in our staff meetings or our other meetings on, at the church, I encourage everybody to start every meeting with prayer. <laughs> Um, and we do that most of the time. Sometimes we don't. I was going to say, I've noticed just coming to places of corporate prayer, whether we're praying together in groups of two or three or whether we're just in a room where other people are praying, I definitely can sense the presence of God in a stronger way, even than when I'm at my own prayer time at home by myself. So uh, I think there is something to that gathering yeah. together. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you don't feel it when you start. But when you're together, I mean, you hear about this all, almost every Sunday from people who come in and their brain is somewhere else and it takes one or two songs and then all of a sudden corporately God begins to meet with people. And I think it's the faith of those around us. I think that there's a supernatural component of Jesus stepping in. I agree with that. Um, so, you know, the corporate can be two people mm-hmm. or it could be a whole group of people. I also know that there's power in when I feel alone and I have a great need of reaching out to a sister or brother in Christ that can pray with me. Um, So like, for example, uh, we went through a thing a few years ago with one of our sons and I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Um, And uh, I texted my friend Lee, who's in another state, and I said, hey, can we talk for a couple minutes? He said, sure, he calls me back. I share with him what was going on inside of me. He gave me some counsel, but he also began to pray. And there was not an answer that day. There was no solution to the challenge that day as far as in the natural. But in the supernatural, my friend Lee helped carry my burden. So there's a carrying together that occurs, too, when we, when we do pray together. Now, I've heard you talk about there's the work of prayer. Like Nehemiah had... Um, had to rebuild the walls, but before he did it, there was some work that went into it in yeah. the prayer side of things. And maybe you can touch on yeah. that yeah. aspect of work of prayer. Yeah. Recently we had a, a prayer retreat, um, for Emmanuel family churches and some of the staff of the church. And, uh, in the prayer retreat, um, one of the things I talked about is, is that by nature, we tend to focus on the work that we do and we pour everything in the work. Then we want God to bless our work and we want it to succeed. And sometimes we can feel like prayer is an afterthought or prayer is an add-on. But my suggestion is that when you're a spiritual leader, that prayer actually is the work. It is the way that God works. If we're partnering with God, then it requires prayer. And if we do the work of prayer, then, then the work that we do on our own it's not alone. It's multiplied. Um, and it's God's math. God's math is different. Um, so, so when I was talking about that, and I think 
company in general, our responsibility is to go, how does that, what does that look like? And one of the great models for what that looks like is Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, um, here he is, this leader, uh, very high up leader, he's cupbearer to the king, which means he was the most trusted assistant to the king because he would taste the food before the king would. And in a day, back in that day and age, um, if, if you died because you t- tasted it for first, it means there was an assassination attempt and they want you to go first. So you'll fall on the sword before the king would. So he's the, literally the most trusted person in the whole country. Well, that could be a great job or not so great. Yeah, well, <laughs> it doesn't work out, right? Yeah, but it's for sure the most trusted. So, but he grew up in a foreign land. So it would be as if he grew up in another country in the United States and he rose to be the assistant to the president. And yet his heart still beat beaded for the, the, the homeland, his ancestors. He wasn't probably wasn't even born in Israel, but he cared about Israel. And, the, and right away in Nehemiah chapter one, you see the, the, this picture of a great burden that Nehemiah has because he starts hearing about his homeland being in disarray. And he feels like he's got to do something about it. And right away in Nehemiah, um, you know, if, if he's a cupbearer, it means he's got some leadership skills. He's really high up in the org chart. Um, he's a powerful leader. Powerful leaders tend to want to do something, to exercise their influence, to utilize um, whatever influence that, and leverage that for their benefit. Instead of doing that, Nehemiah prays. And he prays for several months. And he prays and he works it through. I, I love the process of prayer that we see in that because maybe he's got ideas at the beginning, but those ideas change as he prays day after day, week after week, month after month. And he's working through it in prayer. And, uh, and I think that when we face obstacles and challenges in our family, in our business, in our organization, or in the church, that... Um, our tendency may be to fix something before it's time. And Nehemiah gives this great example of how he took the time to, to pray it through, to wrestle it out by himself. It's not like he's like, I'm going to call a prayer meeting. Um, he actually wrestled through it, and then he walked and prayed, and he observed the city, went to Jerusalem, and, and uh, he clarified what was needed. And then the time would come eventually, of course, where... He was a part of the solution. He needed to make a presentation to his boss and say, you know what, this isn't right, and I I need to go there. And he knew that the potential for a really bad outcome could occur because some of the things he was going to ask for, his king, his boss, had said no to Mm -hmm. already. He was a part of saying, no, let's leave that place in disrepute and in a pile of rubble and um and for for nehemiah to ask for something that the king may be perceived to be against meant that there was the potential for a bad outcome so you could see why he had to wrestle through it and pray through it and intercede but god gave him boldness gave him wisdom and then he began to make that request known so hidden within nehemiah chapter one is the actual prayer that at least a little snippet of Nehemiah's prayers that we get to see how he prayed and then got a good result out of it. Wow. 
It's so powerful. I think about how many times in leadership it's so easy just to forge ahead and do whatever we want. And then we kind of get these good ideas. We maybe brainstorm with our team or, you know, just kind of think through things that we could do, opportunities and possibilities, Mm -hmm. and then forge ahead and ask God. We can approach him with a type of prayer like, Lord, this is my idea. Will you bless it? Mm -hmm. And then we get frustrated because it doesn't work out very good. And so I think about that's really inspiring to uh, just think about praying ahead of time and getting God's direction. Because sure, Nehemiah didn't have all the plans ahead of time saying, Lord, this is what I want to do. Will you bless it? He listened to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, how has that worked out? Can you give us a, an example of how there's been a time where you prayed through things where you felt like God really shifted what you originally thought you'd be doing and how he intervened and gave you direction as you've worked the prayer? Yeah. Um, well, I can think in the big narrative of kind of the jobs that I've done. I've never aspired to be something. So like I didn't want to be a pastor I was asked to be a pastor. I didn't aspire to be at a university and do the things I did there. So in the state of prayer, sometimes um, I was given an opportunity. So somebody approached me. I remember when Dr. Anderson approached me. I'd been a youth pastor for 10 years. Dr. Anderson says to me, I'd like you to come work with me at North Central. That seems so out of the blue because I was a pastor in a church. Why would I go to university? I remember back in those days, if you remember, that um, my boss, my pastor, he didn't have a real high view of seminaries. He called them cemeteries, <laughs> stuff like that. And, you know, like um, like that's a place that leaders go to die kind of thing. And so I had that kind of backdrop. And I wanted to know, God, is this something you want me to do? And so I get that opportunity offered to me. And I had a lot of different job offers, people asking me to join different things over time that it's easy to say no to. But when a mentor asked me it, then I was like, what is, what's going on here? And when I went to prayer, I had to wrestle through, is this God? Is this me? I want to be obedient to you. I, I don't want to do what's wrong. And eventually it was, nope, this is God. And I didn't have the, I didn't have the clarity about the why. I just knew what God wanted me to do. I remember Pastor Choco said that, that uh, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. And uh, that's such a great statement because it's true. Because in that moment, in my prayer, I sensed God was leading me to do, to make a job shift. And I had to say yes. I had to say, yeah, I'll do it. And I had to do it without knowing why. Once I got into it, that's the next part of the phase. Because here I am in a new career amongst people that weren't running with me in a culture, in a school that ran with a different scoreboard. Education is very different than the church. And so I had to figure out what does this mean? And I I wrestled for a year in prayer. Lord, what are you doing? I remember during that time, I was in a master's program for organizational leadership and I was writing on why is why are schools important and what do schools have to do with the church world? I was literally wrestling through what is the burden? Why am I here? What am I going to live for? What am I going to pray for? And I didn't have that clarity. And the burden forced me, forced me into prayer. And out of that came greater clarity over a couple of years where I understood who I was and what was going on with the pipeline of leaders and how it related to the church. It ended up being a big part of what I really focused in on and raising up leaders and became... Uh, the future-ready um, 
process that we do here at the church, and I'm invested in future-ready leaders and future-ready churches, preparing people not for their current job but for where they're going down the road. And a lot of that came out of that prayer, trying to wrestle through um, what I felt was awkward or incomplete or something needed to be done, and the burden turned into vision. And oftentimes, that's what happens. The things that bother us are the very things that God is going to use to give us vision if we pray it through. Oh, that's really good. That's a good distinction because so many times we can find ourselves bothered by things where we can complain to other people and complain on social media and things like that. But those burdens might be the beginning of vision if we mm-hmm. take the time to pray. I know there's been times where I've had to work on some curriculum or message or something that I was preparing and I was I hit a wall and it was like I could not come up with what was God saying? And just being able to step away and pray even for an hour or two, and the Lord would just download the whole thing. And mm-hmm. so I know it's so important to take that time to pray. Uh, as you uh, look at your own life, what kind of rhythms of prayer do you find that has been super helpful and easy to, I don't want to, maybe easy to maintain would be the mm-hmm. right word, or just what's your rhythm of prayer? So, um there's there's a lot of rhythms, and I'm going to throw this back at you in a second because I think you've got a lot to say on this. Um, for me, uh, I have a kind of all-the-time-talking-to-God kind of thought process. Um, so, like, even this morning, I start coming to waking up, and I'm praying. I begin to just pray. I'm like, the th- very first thoughts that come to my mind, I turn it over to the Lord. So Because sometimes I wake up, and I, the the burden of the day, the worries of the day come at me right away. What are the, what are the things I got to get done? And so the first thing I do, even before I get out of bed, is, Lord, I turn that over to you. This is your day. I'm stepping into your day. Um, I need your strength. I can't do it without you. So, like, even before I get out of bed, I'm already doing that. I'm slow to wake up. Like, you're a morning person, and I'm not a morning person by nature. So um, sometimes there's still cobwebs in my head and everything, but you know, if I'm in the shower, I'm getting dressed, I'm often praying in the spirit. So if I don't have words, I just begin to pray in tongues. I begin to pray, talk to the Lord. And there are things going on between me and the Lord that I don't know. And I have this sense that uh, I'm not gonna give that space to somebody else, another thought or anything else. Um, often in the mornings, um, I'll listen to the Bible in one year um, on app and the scripture being read out loud. That's helpful. When I'm driving to work, I'm doing that. And I kind of go in and out of prayer. As you know, any thought, I just take it to the Lord. I turn it over as quick as I can. I like the, the definition of, of confession, being speaking the same thing to God as what you already see and or what he already sees. And for me, Um, I'm just kind of in real time, organic, talking to the Lord about it. Um, Somewhere along the line, I may pause and have a 15, 20-minute devotional prayer time, but it's not at a specific time. And I know that's opposite of where you're at in your rhythms. But then I do that throughout the day. And um, literally, I'm talking, I'm singing. There's worship. I love to to empty my soul before the Lord and worship. and that, you know, our praise or whatever it may be. Um, and then throughout the day, every meeting that I'm in, I try to do, I try to pray before we start a meeting. Um, it doesn't have to be long, but just to go, okay, God, this is yours. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, we've got church rhythm prayer times, too, that we have that I'll step in and out. Like last night, our prayer meeting on Wednesday night, I'll go in and I make the most of it. I actually pray. Uh, and then um, if we can, there are times when we can't, we're not um, in the evening, we'll pray a thought, hey, let's take that to Jesus between you and I, and we'll pray it. So that's kind of one part of the prayer rhythm. Um, Probably the other thing, what about your Saturday prayer rhythm? Oh, for for, for the church. Um, so every Saturday, I like to, in a vast it's when I can come in, but I'll come into church for a couple hours to the building, and I know I'm going to be speaking or somebody else is going to be speaking the next day, and I'll just walk and pray in the sanctuary. Nobody's there. It's dark. And I'm praying loud. <laughs> I'm praying, and I'll be singing songs, and uh, I sound good to me. I don't know if anybody else were to walk in, they'd think it sounds very good. But uh, I'm literally visualizing people in our church in their, in their seats. And uh, we have four locations, so I, I'm, I'm visualizing each of those buildings, actually, and thinking about the people that are there. And when I see a face, I take it before the Lord. Lord, you know the single moms that are coming today. And all of the pressures that they're facing, would you lift them up? And there's someone here that's just gone through a loss and they're in deep grief and I'll lift the people that are in that season uh, before the Lord and I'll just walk and pray. And I discover that when I'm walking, I almost got a rhythm to it, like even how I'm, t- I'm moving right now. Uh, uh, I'll just, I'll begin to talk back and forth with God and I feel like the Holy Spirit will guide me and um, I'll begin to pray for things I didn't think about beforehand. I'll the Lord will lead me to pray for something specific. And then I'll, if I'm preaching, I'll begin to pray the, the, the message out to God. I'll be praying it out and just asking God to, to, to help and, um, and to seep that into my heart, but also into the people so that God meets with the people, not just the words that I say, but the spirit of it and God himself, the word would speak to people. So I pray through all of that. One thing I do after Sundays is even on my drive, once I get in the car and we're going to go home, we're going to go to lunch or whatever, the first thing I do is go, thank you, Lord, today. I know you moved, that you gave me grace to do what I'm doing. And uh, I usually just pause and just turn it back over to God. Um, I don't want to become prideful and I don't want to become self-dependent because the number one place that pastors often on a Sunday after they've preached, they want to quit they think of all the things they did wrong or what they could have done different, and I don't want to give the enemy that space. So, see. like, I start off right away just... If you don't think about all the things you did wrong, I'm sure people mention them to you, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, there's... To pray um, through that. Yeah, yeah. People, well-intentioned dragons. <laughs> people that think they're doing you a favor when they told you that you didn't say something right or you offended them or whatever else. All of that. I turn it over to the Lord because it's actually in my weakness that he's found strong. So good. And I leave it in his hands and to God be the glory. Yep. Literally, to God be the glory for anything and everything that's happened. Yep. So I think, though, you're talking prayer rhythms. I think you're the better one at this uh, because what God's done in your life recently, what's your prayer routine? Well, over the last multiple years, you know, running into hard times, it does something to you. So you can take it to the Lord or you can run from the Lord. And I remember just uh, 
getting a book called Leveling the Praying Field by mm-hmm. Donna Barrett. She spoke at a retreat or a little conference and she said, hey, buy my book. And I thought it was going to be about leadership. And so mm-hmm. I go out to the table and it was about prayer. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I read the book and it radically changed my life. And it was one of those things that completely made sense. So I'm more of a structured person and I can't, if I just kind of have it throughout the day, it won't really happen as well for me. And so finding times of prayer to make an appointment with God and keeping it. It's hard sometimes when there's a lot of, you know, hormone changes or different things, trying to sleep or not getting enough sleep. Sometimes that time in the morning can get a little more complicated, but every day just kneeling before the Lord and saying, hey, I am yours and I submit my life to you. But as I pray, I've gotten a prayer journal together. Mm -hmm. So I have a whole system that I do. When people give me prayer requests, I add it to my list and I've got my list categorized. So here are the people who are asking for prayer about cancer. Here are the people who've lost a loved one. Here are the people who are dealing with um, you know, backsliding in their lives or need a touch from God. And here are the people who are dealing with infertility. So I've got my little groups of people uh, that are, that I'm praying for and even people who are looking for a spouse. So I've got my groups. Um, That's one of the things, and it's kind of my burden page. And so as I come before the Lord, I start out and I I actually pray through the Lord's prayer. I usually Mm -hmm. do that or the acts, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where we're adoring, confessing, thanking, and then supplication, that sort of thing. But the Lord's prayer, I'll come to the Lord and just say, our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I just exalt him. Mm -hmm. And I just talk about how worthy he is, that he's above everything that can be named on heaven and earth. And then I just pray for our world. There's Mm -hmm. so much going on. And, you know, if I get on social media too much or watch the news too much, I can get really burdensome. So I'm like, you know, I've got to like lay all my concerns about the world. Mm -hmm. So I'll go through different parts or different countries of the world and, you know, pray for the peace of Jerusalem or pray for Australia if there's something crazy going there or Brazil or Canada or wherever, um, I feel led to, I'll pray for different spots of the world. And then I go into the different section of like praying for our community. And so I'll start praying for America mm. and asking God to work in the leaders and that he'd give us godly leaders. And then I start praying for the state of Minnesota, same mm-hmm. type of thing, the leaders and then our city. So it gets bigger from the world all the way down to the church. I'll mm-hmm. pray for God's will to be done in each of our communities and in the church. And so from there, I go um, and I pray for our family. So it's like praying for the loved ones. And so Mm -hmm. I pray for all of the boys and their wives and you and some of our relatives. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I go to praying for burdens. And that's where the list of all the people, they give me different things. And I may not hit that list every day, Mm -hmm. but I'll do it on a regular basis. And then after that, I pray for success where Mm. God you know, ask us to pray for success. And that was something I felt like the Lord had put on my heart, like, you're not praying for success. And so I'm like, okay, God, if you're calling me to do something, I want to be successful at it. And then I pray for the lost. And so when we talk about prayer time, an hour can go so quick when I go through that whole list. So that's what I like to do. So uh, whether it's in the morning, I, you know, it's usually when I try to do it. That's my favorite time. Uh, But then also you go, well, when do you pray for the church? Well, Mm -hmm. when we have the prayer meetings at church, uh, Mm -hmm. we've had some Tuesday morning opportunities. Mm -hmm. We've had some Wednesday evening opportunities. We've had some Thursday afternoon opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I'm not able to make each one. But when I go to those, 
opportunities that are praying at the church, I pray specifically for the church mm. and for the ministries and the different things that God has me to mm. do. So, yeah, that's I've really, my prayer rhythm. I've watched your prayer life come alive in the last couple of years, and uh, I'm the beneficiary <laughs> of it. Um, but it's real, and it's super important to you. And I've watched you, you know, get out of bed. I hear the alarm go off. You leave, and I go back to sleep sometimes. But you walk into your prayer spot, and uh, later on, when you're still praying, and maybe I'm walking out the door or something, I'll walk in, and you're on your knees, and you're rocking, and you're praying. And uh, uh, why is that so important to you? Well, I mean, a couple things. I feel like if I don't at least submit to God, even if it's for a few minutes and I don't have the whole morning prayer time Mm -hmm. routine, that I am a better person and a better Christian. Mm. Like I find when I miss that time, I can become short with people. Mm. I don't feel very godly at that. You know, so it's like, because I know my humanness and my weaknesses, I have to submit to God every day or Mm. I'm having problems. Um, The other thing I learned to bunch of things from Donna Barrett's book Mm -hmm. that really ignited my prayer time. And it's like, one of his, one of the thoughts is like, why don't we pray? Well, because we don't think it works. Mm -hmm. So we have to deal with that. Why do we not think it works? Well, Mm -hmm. because we might be telling God what to do instead of Mm -hmm. let him have his will and his way. And so just to set a regular prayer time and saying, I'm not praying for God to do the things that I want him to do. I'm going to pray for him to have his will done mm-hmm. and making those appointments and those intentional times with God and then leaving the results up to God. Mm. So instead of saying God responded to my prayer or saying God answered my prayer, God is responding to my prayer. And I know that he's moving and he's working, even if it's not turning out exactly like I want. So just praying and leaving the results up to God really helped me overcome discouragement mm. that would make me quit praying. Mm. So now that I turn it over to God and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to lay this at your feet. I'm going to trust you with the results and I'm going to keep praying. I think that's made all the difference. That's really good. I can watch it. I can see it happening. You're challenging me and, uh, and you're wired different than I am. So there are things that you're better at than I am. Um, and I'm grateful even in our marriage for, for your prayer it makes a difference. And you can tell when you're not praying. And you've talked to me about that. You're like, man, I got to get back into prayer. And, uh, and I, you know, that challenges me as well. Uh, a thought occurred to me, you know, we're talking about the prayer life of a leader. And that leader could be a pastor. That leader could be a parent. Um, thinking about leading our kids. Um, and it could be a leader in the business world or in the field that a person is in. And if a leader is praying, a leader is confident in God. Mm-hmm. If they're not praying, but they're a Christian, they're doing their work and they're hoping God smiles on them. Prayer eliminates the gap and it gives you God confidence, right? So even if I fail, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're able to say, God's going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we still will serve him. That level of faith comes out of a prayer life, comes out of that kind of... And then I also think when we, when it comes time to step into a space where we're the leader, in my context, it's pastoring. When I go in to preach, I might not physically feel great. I might have other things going on. I might not feel super great about whatever I've written for notes for my message. But if I'm in right relationship with God, I can say to God before I get up to speak, Lord, this is your church. 
I've been walking with this, with you through this for many years. You've always been faithful. I know you're going to be faithful today. So as I speak, I want to walk in your confidence. I want to walk in your authority. And that authority then also in the spiritual dimension is really important to operate with. Um, you remember uh, uh, the book um, with Carlos Sandacondia, yep. the great evangelist in South America who saw hundreds of thousands of people gather together, hundreds of thousands of people getting saved. But there was also a lot of deliverance that happened in those settings. And so he would get up at the beginning of every single service that they would have, still does this, and he would say in Spanish, he would say, listen to me, Satan. And what he would do as a leader in that moment is he would take God's authority in that setting to silence the power of hell. And of course, there would be people that would manifest demons and that kind of thing, and they would usher those people out to a deliverance tent where they would fully be set free. But I think that the woman or man of God that is operating, it can be in a classroom with little kids, it could be in the setting of your home, or it could be in the church where you get up to preach or lead worship. Our responsibility is to operate with a confidence and take spiritual authority in that moment because this is God's place. And prayer declares that. Prayer says, no, this is God's. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's that, that sense of, no, we're not, not just going to acknowledge God's greatness. We're going to call that greatness into this moment. We're going to live as if God is with us, and he is. But sometimes I, I think it's passive. We can, if we're not praying, we can withdraw, and we don't operate in the authority and then we let the enemy get more play than he should get. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely we have to stay connected to God. And as we wrap up this episode, let's just touch on a couple quick thoughts and areas of helping people have more of an effective prayer life. So mm -hmm. we can find our time and our place, you know, our rhythm with God. Uh, but what are some of the things that you uh, find as effective in prayer so maybe it's mm -hmm. knowing the scriptures, mm -hmm. promises of God, mm -hmm. being able to pray them out. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, in the or I can even draw from the teaching that I did on the prayer life of the leader from Nehemiah. Now, when should we pray? We should pray before we do anything else. That's what Nehemiah did. So that's that's one principle. Um, why should we pray? Because it empties the burden out to the to, to the Lord. So it's not all on your own shoulders. Um, um, why should we pray? Because it invites God into the story that we're dependent on him. And then how should we pray is kind of the question that you've got. Um, we should pray declaring his goodness and his greatness and recognizing who he is. Um, scripturally, the, the pattern is enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. You don't start with a request when you're praying. You start with who he is. You acknowledge he's God, you're not that he's faithful even when you don't feel it. Um, and he is the one that's in charge of the whole earth. And then there's this sense of confession as well of, hey, burden-wise, um, there's things going on that I want to talk to you about. Um, and it's not just other people's problems, but I'm going to take on that problem as if it's my own. Nehemiah um, confessed the sin of Israel even though it wasn't his personal sin. And so when he wanted to see a solution, he saw himself as a part of the 
repentance process. And I think, I think we have to be able to repent. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is us, but hey, let's acknowledge that somebody better be repenting for what's going on in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I'm not waiting for the governor to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it myself. And I'm going to repent and ask God to move and, um, and ask him to forgive us our land. And, uh, and then, then we begin to claim his promises. Um, because, and you don't know, there's like over 7,000 uh, promises in the scripture. We got to claim those. Lord, you said this. Yeah, you said that there would be judgment. There would be, there would be uh, penalty for sin. But you also said something else. And it's linking God's promises to your moment, to whatever it is that you're doing. And I think uh, Nehemiah shows us that we can do that. And, uh, you know, we've been going through a series on Sundays recently on um, uh, the Lord's Prayer. You mentioned the Lord's Prayer. And I remember when I preached on, um, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the will, um, in a general sense, uh, is an inheritance term. Um, it's what, who, who gets what when I die <laughs> of my possessions. And God has given us his will, the, the word of God. And if we go in, we can claim those things that he says are already ours. If we don't go get them, they remain in heaven. Yeah. And so we have to know those promises and we have to pray those things out. And, uh, and then we got to trust him and um, leave it in his hands and allow, truly allow him to do it. In fact, I think it would be good to just even pray out, read Nehemiah's prayer. Because Nehemiah showed, showed us, you okay with this? Because I want to read it. Nehemiah 1 verse 4, he says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Oh. And so you hear that, all those things we just talked about in his prayer, and we can pray that same way. So good. So many things that the Bible teaches us. I think it's important, like you're saying, that we repent and we call on the promises of the Bible. And what better way to call on them is to read the Bible so we know what they say, right? Yeah. So that's such an important part of us hearing from God is leaning into his word and praying his promises. Such a good conversation. Thank you so much for uh, just sharing about the leader's heart of prayer. Uh, bless yeah. you. Well, and a separate hearted leader means that we're praying for others. We're covering we have that responsibility. So we can't let that responsibility go. And you and I, we can't do that either. We've got to keep praying for our kids and our grandkids and for our church. Let's do it. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you're looking for a great practical next step to grow your prayer life or the prayer lives of those under your care, check out Donna Barrett's book, Leveling the Praying Field. We'll put a link in the description for your convenience. Until next time, keep leading well.